Risa Gru is a functional nutritionist and certified autoimmune coach. Risa works with issues like diabetes, autoimmune disease, cancer, digestion, thyroid, and hormonal imbalance. In this episode, we talk about functional medicine, finding the right diet for your health issues, supplements, and so much more. Risa is currently offering all of you a 10% discount code for her RGN plant-based detox using code CATK10. Details will be in the show notes. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Kaka TV podcast, your source for all things health, happiness, and beauty. Hi, Risa. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Kat, for having me. Before we get into diet and health, would you tell us a little bit about your journey and why you became a functional nutritionist and certified autoimmune coach? I would be happy to. I love, I've always had a passion for nutrition. And as long as I can remember when I was a little kid, I was always wondering why are people on diets in my house? And what is a diet? And why are some foods fattening? And why aren't some foods not fattening? And why is this okay to eat, but not okay to eat? It's all food. Like I just didn't get it. So I think that's what started it for me. And nobody was really that overweight, but we were just always on a diet or not on a diet. And it was just this on and off button. So that probably started things for me. And then as I aged, I just was always interested in nutrition. And I always liked eating good food and foods from the farm. And then I got married and I conceived a child immediately. And then I tried to conceive my second child and it just wasn't happening. And I just kept having all this infertility stuff. And then and then when I did get pregnant, I would lose the baby. And I just, it was so frustrating for all those people who know about infertility. It's just, it's heart-wrenching. And so I started to find out, do a little research. Why is this happening? And, and then I was diagnosed. I went to a fertility specialist and they took blood work and diagnosed me with hypothyroid. And I'm thinking, why is my thyroid an underachiever when other people's aren't, right? So what's, I didn't understand. So I started doing all this research and the doctor gave me a pill, a a synthetic medication. I said, how long do I take this for? And he said, every day. And I said, no, for how long? And he said, oh, forever. And I thought, why am I taking a synthetic pill that is supposed to do something that, to make up for something that my body was actually born to do? Why is my body not doing it? Why is nobody asking that question? So I started asking that question and I did a deep dive in research and and did all these modalities of natural modalities and you name it, I've done it. And then I was eventually diagnosed. I did end up getting pregnant after acupuncture with my son and I realized that I had MTHFR, which is a big factor in fertility and I had I went down the checklist and I basically had everything and then I was shortly thereafter diagnosed with Hashimoto's so the autoimmune to your thyroid and then I thought okay this has got to stop what why do I have an autoimmune disease why is my body attacking itself I made a checklist and I went down every single solitary thing on that list I had every single one and I treated every single one and some of them chelation for heavy metals took a, almost a year so it was make it sound like it was so easy, but it was really a a, a several years of going through this checklist. And, and then I really figured out what was going on with my thyroid and my Hashimoto's, my TPO, my thyroid peroxidase antibody was at like 1,465. And now I'm happy to say I'm 10 points away from reversing it completely. 
and it can be done. And we do it in my office from time to time if somebody is very compliant. And and that is really what sparked. I was already going back to school for nutrition. I had raised my kids and I wasn't working for a bit and I was getting my hands on every single nutrition book that I could find. And this is years ago, so there wasn't a lot, but I did research as much as I could. And then I ended up going back to school and became a certified clinical nutritionist. And then I have been studying functional medicine for, I don't know, years. So I do everything in functional nutrition guidelines. Your story is really common now. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Things have changed. It's really common now. Yeah. And it shouldn't be, right? We should, we're born to do two things, survive and procreate. So if we're having a problem procreating, get to it, figure out what is the problem. Tell us a little bit of how functional nutritionists are different from maybe your traditional nutritionist or dietitian. So a functional nutrition or functional medicine basically has four pillars. The first pillar is we look for root causes. Why is it that my thyroid is not performing? Why is it that I'm having high cholesterol or high blood pressure or headaches or bloating, right? It's not because you have a deficiency in medication, right? It's not the pill for an ill paradigm. It's very different than that. So we are always looking at root causes. The second thing we do is we look at prevention. So in conventional medicine, we cannot treat you until you have already been fully diagnosed. In functional nutrition or functional medicine, we, we do prevention to say, hey, you've got some insulin resistance going. The next step is prediabetes and then diabetes. We're not going to wait until you get diabetes. We're going to address the insulin resistance and things like that. When the thyroid starts to debilitate and starts to underperform, we see it right away because I do thorough blood tests. And so I see it. And then we try and we give our best shot to try and stimulate the thyroid or support the thyroid to act, to, to, to do what it's supposed to do. So we do prevention. And the third thing that we do is we look at the body as a whole interconnective unit versus different doctors and specialists that do different appendages or different glands or different organs. We look at, at the whole body as it's interactive. So perhaps the reason why your cholesterol is high is because you have a thyroid dysregulation or blood sugar dysregulation, or perhaps you have a congested liver and gallbladder. Those are the root causes typically that will cause the cholesterol to move. And we don't want to bring it down to really low levels because we need cholesterol. So that is another thing that we do is look at the body as a whole. And the fourth pillar that we look at, and I certainly do, is we get data. So I am a big fan of getting data because I'm not really good at guessing. I always say I, I don't play darts with the lights off very well. I'm not very good at that. I need to see the target. I need the lights on. I need to be able to focus exactly what I'm doing for you because you're different than your sister or your cousin or your neighbor or your coworker. I do extensive testing. I do a a big comprehensive bioscreen where I'm getting all nine markers of your thyroid, all four markers of blood sugar, all your liver enzymes, gallbladder, inflammation markers. And I could see everything, the breakdown of the white blood cell. It's pretty comprehensive. And then I do a stool test that has over 84 pathogens. So I'm looking for all these parasites, bugs, fungus, candida, in addition to how your own production of enzymes is and your level of inflammation, your, 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 I could see a ton of stuff, how you do with fat malabsorption and your immunity in your gut. So it's a really, so once I know that information, I don't usually have to test further, but sometimes I do if there's an issue, but that gives me a really good start to figure out what is right for you. Yeah. I remember when I was a child, they used to do regular 
stool test to see if you had parasites, a whole bunch of more tests. Maybe I just had a good doctor. Yeah. And now when you go to the doctor, it's five minutes. You get the most basic, comprehensive exactly. <laughs> blood test. It's crazy. Let's talk about food a little bit. Nowadays, you have to be so careful with what you eat. Food's more nutrient depleted. It's highly processed. Food quality has dropped over the years. So when it comes to choosing a diet, what are some of your favorite, more Main Street diets and some benefits and drawbacks of each of them? I love that you mentioned that because there's so many different choices we have, right? And of course, the new book comes out and this is the diet everybody's got to be on because it fits for everyone. That's false. So that's why I wrote my book, Food Frame. And Food Frame is my methodology that I use because everybody is unique. I've worked with thousands of people and everybody is different. So I have figured out throughout the years that it is really important. It's critical that we are all eating according to our health status. So if you have blood sugar dysregulation, you need to eat according to that. So a high carb diet wouldn't be good for you. A low fat diet wouldn't be good. Conversely, if you don't have a gallbladder, I wouldn't recommend keto for you because you're having a hard time breaking down fats. In my book, Food Frame, I highlight, I start off with my detox because I think everybody needs to detox and clean out the junk in the body and clean out the liver so it's working optimally. And then I highlight six popular diet types that I tend to go to the most. Keto, paleo, low FODMAP, AIP, that's autoimmune protocol, low lectin, and, and vegetarian. So not everybody is for every diet type. It's not a one size fits all. So if you are that person that your girlfriend or your neighbor or your coworker came in and said, oh, I lost 42 pounds on keto and you were like looking at her going, how did you do that? I couldn't even get into ketosis or gain two pounds. It's not for everyone. We should know this by now. We have enough science to know. So some of the major diet types that I like a lot are in those six groups. And I think that paleo as a broad stroke is, has the most wide appeal for most people. It fits most people the best because it is anti-inflammatory and it does help stabilize blood sugars. And it's really focuses on quality of food. As you just mentioned, our food is less nutrient dense because of our soils. It's depleted about 40% since the 1950s. And so it's really important to eat quality food that, it, that is grown in rich soil or that is fed proper nutrition rather than grains and antibiotics and growth hormones. And so I like paleo a lot, but there's different diet types. If you came into my office and you've got SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or I find out you have SIBO or you have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome or irritable bowel disease, I'm going to for sure recommend low FODMAP for you. So that's more of an elimination diet and it's 30 to 90 days. And then I would probably recommend paleo at that time, but I'd have to see what your labs look like and how you feel and what your symptoms are. Yeah. So I'm thinking back to all the diets that I've tried. I've tried all of them. Paleo I tried. Mainly I wanted to lose weight. I did not budge with weight with paleo because I always ate healthy. I didn't ever have processed foods or things that weren't organic. So paleo didn't do anything for me. Then I tried keto and I lost water weight, I would say, but I did not feel good. I was just like very angry the entire time. <laughs> I don't know, like I miss carbs too much and it just, it was hard to stick to. And I also noticed my cholesterol went up. So that happened to some people and not others. And then I tried recently, I tried carnivore. 
which was just like steak and lamb and berries. And with that, I felt amazing for the first time. So it's just so weird how you can have the same people in the same family and one person can eat this way, the other person can eat that way, and the other person can eat that way. Exactly. And why do you think like in within like a family, same genetic makeup, there's such a variety? Exactly. And it is has a lot to do with genetics, but it also has to do with health status. So this is what I keep saying to the world because you might have a different health status than your mother or your sister or your brother. So you're, and you might have fat malabsorption and, or not if you're feeling well on, on animal protein, but somebody else might in your family. So it's genetics definitely play a part, but it's mostly your health status. So if I did a stool test on you, I would be able to see your steatocrit and see how you do with fat malabsorption. When I do your blood test, I can see a GT to tell me how thick and sticky and how gooey your bile is. So that tells me your probability of breaking down fats. If you have very sludgy bile, for instance, I wouldn't recommend the, the carnivore diet for you, but you probably don't since you are thriving on that. And so I urge people to find what works for them. If they don't feel well, something's wrong, right? You should be thriving. What are some of the first steps necessary to identify and reverse common chronic health issues, where do you begin and what do you consider? So I always say, if you don't, if you feel like something's wrong, go see somebody and try to, I would see somebody functionally so that they are going to look at the root cause of it. And so any symptom, it could be, if you have chronic bloating, we're not supposed to have bloating. That is not normal. So if there's bloating, that's telling me either you don't have enough digestive enzyme production that you can't break down your food. So it's calling in the methanobacteria, say the the methane gas production, or you, you have SIBO, you have this bacteria that's parked in your small intestines and it tends to absorb water. And there are certain types of carbohydrates, they're high FODMAP foods that will tend to make you bloat. So if you're bloating, go see somebody or figure it out. But if there's something wrong, something's wrong. So go figure it out. And then at that point, that's when I do the comprehensive blood screen and the stool test to find out what it is. And it's amazing. I just started working with this woman. She's 75 years old. It was a couple of weeks ago now. Maybe I'm working with her three or four weeks. And she came in and she has head to toe, full body pain all the time just all the time. She's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. She has to, she's not, she's not terribly overweight, but she has to get from her car and get a scooter so she could get through the market because she cannot walk. She's in so much pain, full body, every single solitary day. So I said, tell me what you're eating. So she has a lot of processed food, goes out for almost every meal and has a tall glass of milk, cow's milk, three times a day. And I said, I wonder what would happen if we took that milk out? And she said, oh, I've been drinking milk every single day for 75 years. I can't take that out. I said, let's just experiment, see what happens. She took out the milk. She did it. We replaced it with coconut and almond milk. And she still has a glass of milk every single meal, three times a day. And she came in and she said, I don't have any body pain. My hands are working. I don't need a scooter. I'm walking. In, in basically 10 days, that's what happened. So it, I always say, look at what it is. Look at your food because you could be having an inflammatory food or you could be having an allergenic food. If you've got leaky gut, which I test for all the time, you've got proteins that are going into the system and causing an inflammatory response. 
So if you're having head to toe body aches, something's not working. So it's not a diagnosis necessarily. We got to change it up so that you're out of pain, that you're not living this life of suffering basically. So then I would recommend doing labs and doing stool tests. And if it's hormonal, I do a hormone panel. And if there's more to it, I go more extensively. I do the breakdown of the white blood cells because I'm usually looking for a bacterial or a viral pattern in the white blood cells. So I can see, and I look at eosinophils to see if there's a parasite or an allergy. There's so many good indicators on our blood tests that should be able to give us a little lead or a lot of lead, if not all the answers to where to go next. And why is it that you feel doctors don't do these type of tests routinely? Well, I don't really think it's their fault. I think it's the medical school paradigm that we are taught when you go to medical school, I just had dinner with somebody who just graduated from medical school and decided not to be a doctor at the end. She got her MD, but said, I don't want to do it because we're chemists and we're matching pharmaceutical drugs to symptoms. And that to me is not healing people. And so that's exactly what they do. I asked her about how much blood work instruction she got. She said they never had one class uh, presentation on blood work. They did have a chapter they read and they studied it but they didn't. And I work with a lot of doctors. They're clients of mine, surgeons and doctors, and I have friends who are doctors and they do not know the blood work the way functional uh, practitioners do. So it's very sad. And it's again, not their fault because their, their paradigm is all about medication. I, they know a lot more about medication than I do for sure, but they have not been taught to really look at those root causes. And that's where functional medicine was born. It was born by MDs who were really sick and tired of the pill paradigm. And so they created functional medicine. And I hope this is where we're going in the future. I believe it is. I would love to see genetic testing taken when children, when I hope when my grandchildren are born, which I don't think it's going to happen, but I would hope that when they're born, they would take their blood that first day and say, okay, here's your genetic makeup. These are the things that you might be watch out for. Doesn't mean you're going to have to get them, but you can make a left turn and make sure you're preventing this trajectory. But this is what your genetic makeup is. These are your gene mutations. This is, you don't do well with dairy. You don't do well with gluten. You do well with hard exercise or not. I do some genetic testing in my office and it's really helpful. It's helpful to know why is, why am I working out six days a week at full board and nothing's, I'm exhausted you're probably not genetically built to have high cardio uh, workouts. You might be more of a yoga or a weightlifting person. So even the, our genetics can tell us that. And I know we know food is a cause too, but what are some of the most common drivers of disease? Is it just food or is it other things? So the biggest driver of disease is inflammation. So systemic inflammation that's where disease lives. It's inflammation is basically a breeding place for disease. And there's all different types of inflammation. If you have diabetes or you're pre-diabetic, you're in a third stage inflammation. So that's where people were dying of COVID because they were in third stage inflammation and then it goes into the respiratory tract. I look at inflammation markers all the time. I look at homocysteine and homocysteine is very related to methylation. There's a very common gene mutation. You probably are familiar with MTHFR. I have it, both my kids have it. It's hundred percent genetic and it's a big factor in infertility and miscarriages. Nobody ever tested me for it. So after I 
had a few miscarriages. I tested myself. I realized what this was. I tested myself and sure enough, I have it. So really important, very easy, simple solution. You just take a B vitamin in methylated form. My B ultra is exactly that. It's really, so I look at homocysteine and homocysteine is our ability. We have this innate ability to detoxify our heavy metals and our toxins in our system. But if your homocysteine is very elevated, you are not going to detoxify. So you have this buildup of heavy metals. That is another source of inflammation. So it's very important to get, make sure you're methylizing accurately and optimally. And then the other inflammation marker I look at is CRP, C-reactive protein, and that is more cardiovascular related. So that tells us how likely you are to have heart disease. And so I look at that marker and sometimes that marker is really high with people. And so that's a really important one to look at. So inflammation hands down is the driver of disease, but also things that will cause inflammation, like living in a moldy house or toxins or eating lots of chemicals. Unfortunately, the FDA in America, this is a new number, has approved 86,000 chemicals for us to use, well over 3,000 of which we can eat. That is just unconscionable, more than any other country on the planet. And I don't know why we need dyes and chemicals, and we have dyes and chemicals in our supplements. I see them all the time, red dye number five and yellow dyes. And it's crazy that we have to have our purple pill and our yellow pill and even our supplements. It's just crazy to me. And so we're getting a lot of toxins, which absolutely contribute to inflammation. Another driver of inflammation is stress is a big part in our inflammation. So we're all under tremendous stress all the time. The amount of kids that walk into my office, teenagers to mid twenties with anxiety is just shocking to me. I just, I'm blown away by how much anxiety we have in our younger people. And um, the foods that we're eating, especially that age group is they're ordering in foods with bad oils, those bad oils in restaurants. And I don't care how great of a restaurant it is and how expensive it is. I go in the kitchen and I ask, what kind of oil are you using? Even I've been to spas, five-star spas, and I go in the kitchen, I'll be doing a cooking class. And I'll say, what kind of oil do you use? Oh, it's a blend. And it's a blend, a little bit of olive oil, but it's mostly canola oil or soybean oil or vegetable oil. And these are highly inflammatory. So you can get very inflamed by eating out a lot because you're having this bad oil. So I always ask in restaurants. And then when you're in the state of autoimmunity, you are in the state of attack at all times. You are having all these antibody productions and it finds an organ or a gland or tissue to attack. Therefore, your cytokine production is active and you're creating inflammation. You're in an inflammatory storm. So that is, if you've got inflammation, if you've got autoimmune, you're automatically in the inflammation club. So I am a big fan of decreasing inflammation all the time. And I use my Fab Five is vitamin D, which is incredibly important. Turmeric, my turmeric max, resveratrol with quercetin. I have omega max, my omega fish oils. And it's super, super important. It's our master antioxidant we all produce, but as we age, it leaves the building and we have to supplement for it. So I take copious amounts of glutathione. It protects us against any oxidative stress that is trying to come into the body and cause disease. So glutathione is a major protector and vitamin D as well. A lot of our listeners are women. 
with hormonal imbalances, PCOS, severe PMS, thyroid. For these women, do you recommend any particular diets over any others? And what are your thoughts on changing the type of food you eat depending on where you are in your cycle? Great question. Okay, so let me take the first part. Diet for different types of hormone imbalances. Yes, for sure. So if you have hypothyroid or if you have Hashimoto's or Graves or hyperthyroid, you I would recommend eating according to that. I just released a course on how to achieving optimal thyroid health and I get into great detail about what to eat for each particular situation. But if you're in Graves or Hashimoto's, I would recommend AIP for sure. That's the autoimmune protocol for 30 to 90 days for a good reset. If you're hypothyroid and even hyperthyroid, I would say no soy at all. Soy and thyroid don't get along. And soy is sneaky. It's the soy sauce and soybeans and soybean oils in restaurants. And it's in a lot of places. We also have to watch for parabens in our shampoos and our um, beauty products and our sunscreens because parabens basically mimic, they have isoflavins, which mimic estrogen. So that is a, another leading cause of why we have hormonal imbalance. PAs in water bottles is another one. We find them on receipts as well. But all of these things, they accumulate. And water bottles, for sure, I would say, decrease that. And these water bottles are sitting on some some warehouse in the heat or they're in trucks and heat and they're just leaching in all this BPA and BPSs. And so this is how we get it. So try and do glass as much as possible or have your own hydro flask or whatever it is that you have your aluminum can that you can use as best as possible. We can't be perfect. We're all going to die of something. I don't want to freak people out. And But it's it, it, little changes like that will make a big difference. So soy and thyroid don't get along. And then um, and soy and hormones as well, because it is a big estrogen producer. That's what I would recommend for thyroid. As far as hormonal imbalance and PCOS, as you mentioned, PCOS is the definition of PCOS is a polycystic ovarian syndrome, but it is always matched with elevated blood sugars and usually elevated testosterone. So I would recommend absolutely a paleo or keto for that person if they can do keto because we want to bring down that blood sugar as efficiently and quickly as possible. I also use my berberine balance for blood sugars and, and exercise is a natural helper for decreasing, stabilizing blood sugars as well as sleep is super, super important. Those are the things that I would recommend for sure for somebody with PCOS is get down that blood sugar and give yourself some support for that blood sugar. And then hormonal balances, I would say as far as eating differently throughout the cycle, it would be not necessarily, I wouldn't recommend that necessarily for everybody. I'd have to see labs to see, but generally I wouldn't recommend eating differently throughout the cycle, but I'm, I really focus on protein, fat, and fiber at every single solitary meal because that is what we were built to eat. And that is our fuel at the end of the day. So good quality and no hormones in our meat and hormones in our meat is very prevalent. So if you have hormone dysregulation or you don't want hormone dysregulation, do not eat food, animal protein with hormones pumped into it. And then good, clean vegetables and lots of them, organic as much as possible. And then good fats, good oils, olive oil, coconut oil, sesame oil. Those are really good oils for us to use. And then nuts, seeds, eggs, olives, and avocados. Those are really good sources of fats. 
And what is the relationship between food sensitivity and histamine intolerance? And I say that because I had really bad histamine intolerance for a long time when I went carnivore that I guess gave it so much of a like a reset that I was able to have high histamine foods finally after a couple months of that. But then if I did it consecutively for like too long, then it came back. Yes. Interesting. So some people have an issue with histamines and it's very difficult to figure that out. A lot of people come in and they just have no idea and it's very random and I can't drink wine or I chocolate or things like that, high histamine foods. So it is gut related. So I would work on your gut. I would do a stool test to find out if you have leaky gut and I would give you some antihistamine support, not Claritin, natural antihistamine support. I would take you off of histamines for a while and then start slowly bringing them back. But nothing changes when nothing changes. So I would work on healing the gut for 30 to 90 days and keep reintroducing histamine foods. I had a friend with Crohn's and I was telling her about the histamine giving all these symptoms and she's had the same symptoms. So I'm like, it's histamine. So you can do a test to see if yours is triggered by histamine by just taking an antihistamine and seeing if that helps, especially when she gets really bad migraines after eating or something like that. And then it worked. Wow. Look at you. That's awesome. I love that. So So she's in a state of inflammation, but yeah, and I would work on her gut, but that's great. You gave her digestive tract a, a bit of a break. If someone has histamine intolerance, is that related to a food intolerance that's causing it or something else? So it's a response to histamines and it's gut related. So I would look at the gut and see why, if there's leaky gut, if there's what's happening to cause this histamine response. I would look at that root cause. I know some people say to avoid lectins in your diet, and some say that's not true. You can have lectins, no big deal. What are your thoughts on lectins? So lectins are the anti-nutrients, right? They are the protector of the plants, mostly. And so they're there. They're very difficult to break down. So if you don't have a very acidic environment in your stomach, you are going to have a hard time breaking those down. And lectins tend to cause inflammation. And I would say if you are autoimmune, I would take them out for sure. If you are not autoimmune or you don't think you're autoimmune, then I would have them occasionally for sure. I am autoimmune and I have them occasionally. I do not live on nightshades by any stretch of the imagination, but every now and then I have some salsa and I do fine, but I did a very long time without nightshades at all. So, so lectins are cause inflammation. And so again, it's more individual. So I would say go off of them. If you're not autoimmune, I would go off of them for about 30 days and then bring them back. You probably don't feel anything when you eat them. Most people don't. And especially if you're not autoimmune, if you are autoimmune, I would definitely say take them out and then have them very rarely. Are there any seemingly healthy foods that you recommend most people avoid? Mm. Depends how you define healthy. That's a good question. I would have to defer to the individual. So again, there's some really healthy things like coconut. And if you can't absorb fat, then I wouldn't recommend that for you. But as a general rule, is there anything healthy that I would say avoid? Let me give you some examples. Okay. Juicing or let's say the fake meats. They say it's like better for the environment or whatever. 
those type of things. I love that. Okay. So yes, I would definitely say juicing is great if you're doing it at home and you are using organic vegetables and you do it occasionally, you're getting great minerals and vitamins. And if you're not, and if you don't put three apples in there, you're, it's low in sugar. So I wouldn't put any fruit in there. I would just put vegetables and I would do it occasionally. What I don't really like about juicing is we extract all the fiber from it and we're losing all that wonderful fiber that we should be eating. So I make a shake pretty much every single day with collagen and all the fiber and I add more fiber with greens and, and seeds because I think it's really important to have that fiber. Beans are another food that I know are really healthy. They have high fiber. There's good protein source. It's very dependent on for vegetarians as a protein source. But beans are tough. Beans are high in lectins. They're difficult to digest. And they have a lot of carbohydrates in them. So beans, I wouldn't say don't eat them, but I would say really rarely and watch your portions of them. I think that's really important for beans. And a lot of people have an allergy to black beans. We don't really realize it, but a lot of people do. I would just get tested or just have very little watcher portion size. I used to, when I was a vegan for a while, and I lived on beans. Just I lived on garbanzo beans, black beans, and lentils. Every day they were my salad, my soup, my chili, whatever it was. And my blood sugars just started going up and up and up and up. So it's high in carbohydrates. So I don't recommend beans a lot. Grains, the same thing. I, I think grains, we don't really need a ton of grains. Now, not, some people can tolerate some. And I would say just watch your portion size on grains. I don't particularly eat grains, but I, at least not regularly at all, if it's in a gluten-free bread or something occasionally, but usually I don't, but it doesn't work for me. But if it works for you, I would say just in, in limited form. So let's talk a little bit about detoxification. What are the benefits of detoxification? Should you do it regularly? And can you explain what detoxification looks like? Sure. So detoxification is critically important for our bodies, right? As I mentioned earlier, we have our own capability of detoxifying our own heavy metals and our own toxins. But if our homocysteine is not working optimally, if we're not methylating correctly, we don't tend to do it. And even mine, I, my homocysteine is perfectly fine. I still detox about two to three times a year. Now I've tried every single cleanse or detox on the market, literally everyone. I've done it all. And through the years, I've been doing this for so many years, 25 years or so, I realized that there is the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. So again, those juice cleanses, you're not cleansing anything. There's no fiber in there. You're not taking anything out. We have to, our toxins are binded by the fibers. Juice cleanses are, they're, they're juice fasts, what I call them. And most of the time they're sugar. But anyway, the right way to detox, in my opinion, is with protein, eating real food, eating very easily digestible food, and eating foods that are not laden with chemicals and preservatives, additives, dyes, chemicals, and sugar. So the least processed foods. So for two weeks in my RGN detox, for 14 days, I ask you to eat food from the farm. Eat food that doesn't have a nutritional panel, that you don't have to calculate the carbs and the sugar and the added sugars, right? You're just eating like your great-grandparents used to eat. Foods from the farm. So you're eating animal protein, unlimited vegetables, any way you want them, but it's deep fried. And then you're having some good fats, sweet potato, yams, and then good fats such as avocado, olives, olive oil, coconut, things like that, eggs, nuts, and seeds. So that typically quells the inflammation. 
and it gives your body the ability to detoxify. So in my detox, I have amino acids and antioxidants in the shakes, in the collagen shakes. So there's collagen plus amino acids and antioxidants to help open up pathways one and two. Then the body can efficiently detoxify and get those toxins out of the system. Toxins live in fat cells and fat tissues. So that's why we lose weight when we detox. I don't use my detox as a weight loss program, but everybody loves it because they lose weight. But I don't promote it as a weight loss program, even though everybody does, but it is a real good reset and it's a cleaning of the house. The, the sad statistic is that the average American female comes in contact with over 200 toxins just before she's left the bathroom each morning. So if you look at all the ingredients in your shampoo and your nail polish and your hair products and your skin products and your deodorant and so on and so forth, right? And you might have some perfume you put on or some candle in your bathroom or whatever it is with all these toxins that we are, are breathing in, putting on our skin, ingesting, we get them three ways, right? Through what we eat, through what we put on our skin and what we breathe in. And those toxins go into the system and the liver says, okay, hang on a second. I got to convert you into an enzyme so I can get you through the system. And so it'll do this if your liver really doesn't have that much more to do. But we also, if we're in a state of immunity or autoimmunity or more state of attack or whatever's going on in the body, we've got mold or whatever it is, the body's going, oh, I'll get you in a minute. So it doesn't do it very efficiently and it parks it in fat cells and fat tissues. Also, another benefit of detoxifying is we tend to store our excess estrogen in our liver. So I cannot tell you how many times I detox everybody I work with pretty much, and they leave and say, oh, my PMS is gone. My periods are regular. They're not heavy. I'm not spotting in the middle. So it tends to regulate hormones. It's not a hormone regulator, but it has that effect to it as well. Um, because it just balances us and provides homeostasis in the gut, a balance of good and bad gut bacteria. And it puts bumpers on the on, for people, which people really like. I, I know I can't have this, but I can have this. And so we take out the gluten, we take out the dairy, we take out the sugar, we take out the alcohol. I hope you take out the coffee unless you are really addicted to your coffee and you have to have organic coffee and you don't put any crap in it then you are just eating real food. So I have this philosophy I say to everybody who I work with for the very first time is I want you to imagine that your body is just like a sneaker factory. You've got all the equipment to make a sneaker. If I give you leather, rubber, or canvas, I know we're going to get a sneaker at the end. It may change in shape or size or color, but it'll be a sneaker. And if I say to you, Kat, let's, let's put some cell phone parts in your sneaker factory, what would you say? No. Good. Yay. We wouldn't want to do that because if we put cell phone parts in our sneaker factory, it would break the equipment. So I use that silly little example because that's exactly what we're doing. We were put on this earth to use animal protein, vegetables, fats to survive to, for fuel. And now we have all these colored things that look like food, that, that, that are sold like food, that taste like food, but they're not nourishing. They're depleting our resources instead of actually giving us nutrients. So we are continuously putting toxins in our body and on our body. And so it's really important to reset and clean it out. That made me think of something. I noticed that when I was on my very strict carnivore diet, just organic grass-fed, grass-finished beef and pasture lamb and berries, that was it. That's all I was eating. I noticed that I didn't feel hungry all the time because I'm thinking 
could all these foods that they don't really have any nutrients, that's why you're hungry because you're not getting any nutrients and your body's find it somewhere. Exactly. That's exactly it. So you're mal- these people are malnourished. And what happens is I always say to people, so take some shampoo, put it in your gas tank in your car and see what would happen. I've never done that. I don't know if the gas tank would register as full, but my guess is it would probably break. And that's what we're doing. We're putting in and the car goes, I, I didn't get any gas. It looks like it's full, but you didn't give me any what I need. You gave me a liquid, but it's not what I need. So that's what we do, right? That's a visual for us because we are eating, but we're not eating protein, fat, and fiber at each meal. We're eating processed. We're giving our body more work to do when we eat versus helping it. So the reason why you were thriving on that is because you were having protein, fat, and fiber in its simplest form. The body knew how to break it down. You probably have a very acidic environment, so you have enough digestive enzymes to break down that protein. You have to produce hydrochloric acid. A lot of people don't have hydrochloric acid, especially if they've been on a lot of antibiotics and things like that. A lot of medication, a lot of stress, lack of B vitamins and zinc. Those are precursors to making our own digestive enzymes. So it's really important to give the body what it actually requires. And we don't think about it. We really don't think about it. Nobody looks at the labels of their supplements. Why would you look at the labels of your supplements? They're on bottom at Whole Foods. They're good. But oftentimes they're not, right? So we have to be very particular about what's going into the body. You're a perfect example of that. And then you thrive. You spend less time eating, which was crazy. And the energy just spikes and you just you don't need to waste all this time thinking about food anymore. Exactly. Because you are satiated. You gave the body what it needs and then it doesn't need anymore. And people say this to me all the time when they're on my detox, especially because they're eating protein, fat, and fiber. And they're like, I'm just not that hungry. I say, I know. I tell them all the time when they go on the detox, you're not going to be that hungry because you're giving your body what it needs. And then it doesn't have to ask for more. If you're eating all these empty calories and all these empty nutrients, then the body's going, knocking on the door going, I know you just think you fed me, but you didn't give me anything I needed. So can you give me some more? And then that's where we go. We just keep eating and eating and eating. I know you mentioned detoxification and before you mentioned parasites. A lot of people have problems when it comes to parasite cleanses. How can you do a parasite cleanse without feeling miserable? Yeah, there's a lot of cleanses out there. And so my particular cleanse might not necessarily get rid of that parasite, but I do have herbal supplements that I use to kill parasites. So that's what I would do. There's also colonic deep cleanses that I actually do. I did, I try and do them every year. I'm due right now. I did one last year, but I, it's really good. It gives your digestive tract a break. Again, it's not a weight loss program, but it just cleans out your intestines and you can see the actual parasites coming out and you're not really eating any food at all for a week, but you're drinking nutrients. So you're getting your, I have plenty of energy when I do this but you're going in for a colonic every day. And I'm telling you, after seven days, you go in and you go, there is no way there is anything left inside of me. I am fully cleaned out. And the next thing is there's six feet of just tarry gunk that comes out that is living. You can see it's in the folds of your intestines. So it looks like it's been living there for a long time. And then after that, you could absorb everything because your walls are like a brand new baby where there's no gunk in there. So I'm getting a little graphic, sorry, but it's, it's really, it's really important to do. So if I was riddled with parasites, that is what I would recommend is a very, you got to go to somebody who's very safe to do that, who knows what they're doing. And, and I would do that. Plus I would do some herbs to kill those parasites. 
you had mentioned supplements briefly. So are there any supplements that are really important for optimal health? And do you recommend anybody test their levels before taking supplements just to make sure they're not taking too much? I'm always a big fan of, in, of information. So the more information you give me, the better we are. But most people are vitamin D deficient. I work with a lot of professional athletes who are in the sun all the time, all day, and they're still slightly deficient. And the labs, again, are a little different because it's conventional. And just to let you know, labs are very, uh, very flexible. So what the, I would love to create a new lab if I had more time and energy, but the, it's really very antiquated, our system. So what they do is they discard the top two and a half percent of what comes into that individual lab and they discard the bottom two and a half percent. And they take the 95% in the middle and they say, we've got a lot of people with a high TSH. Let's move the range a little bit. And so what happens is quarterly, they'll reassess the labs. So you could be tested in Nevada and not be diagnosed with hypothyroid, but then you go to North Carolina or you go to Florida and you are tested. So every lab, I tested it actually with my own son and we went to two different labs in the same building, in the same city, on the same street. And I went through it with a fine tooth comb and some of them were the same and some of them just altered a little bit and some of them a lot. So it's just interesting to see that that was true. But, and also functional nutrition or functional medicine has a little bit more narrow guidelines. So for instance, vitamin D would be 30 to 60 on a regular lab. That's very common. Not every lab is going to do that for what I just mentioned, but in functional medicine or functional nutrition, we like it between 80 and hundred. So I like mine around hundred because I swear that is what's keeping me healthy. I don't get sick. I have not had COVID. I just... I take a lot of glutathione also, but vitamin D is something that I recommend for everyone. It's actually not a vitamin, it's a hormone. And we have a D receptor site in every cell in the body. So it's really important to have vitamin D. It's critical for brain health, for heart health. We will not build bone without vitamin D. Thyroid, it's critical for thyroid, critical for hormone conversion. We have to have vitamin D. It's anti-cancer, anti-aging. Vitamin D is all immunity. So I am a freak about vitamin D. Everybody I work with is on a vitamin D. My vitamin D3, my D3 Ultra has vitamin K, so it's good for absorption and it moves the needle for everybody. So I like that around 80 to 100. So I would test people. Uh, and then vitamin B is super, super important. B is RNA, DNA, but also most people have MTHFR, about 90% of the population. So they're going to have my B ultra with that's in methylated form. The other thing it does is it's a precursor to our own digestive enzymes and it helps stress. So any stress we have, we start eating up our B vitamins in our intestinal lining and therefore putting our intestinal lining at risk. We only have one layer of epithelial cells in that intestinal lining. So it's really important to keep its integrity. So vitamin B and vitamin D are my musts. And then if you're autoimmune, you're going to have my Fab Five. That's the glutathione, the turmeric, the resveratrol, the omega, and vitamin and glutathione or vitamin D. I can't remember which one I said twice. But anyway, that's my Fab Five. And it's really important to always be decreasing that inflammation. I take all those supplements every single day. And then there's different ones that I would recommend for thyroid and hormones and things like that. But I don't do those at all unless I'm testing you. DHEA is a big one. DHEA is our precursor to hormones or precursor to testosterone and estrogen. A lot of doctors will just give you hormone hormones. And if you're on the pill, you should for sure be tested because most people are very estrogen dominant and it affects our thyroid with our T3 uptake, that our T3 uptake will tell us how much 
excess estrogen we have that's affecting our thyroid. I always test for those things and and DHEA, as I was saying, is the precursor. So I like to start with the precursor instead of just giving you the end result. DHEA is also very helpful for weight loss. So I like DHEA a little on the higher side. And then pregnenolone is our precursor for progesterone. So those are really important to look at the precursors. What's driving? Is our driver not is our driver asleep? Do we have to wake up our driver? Or should we just get to the party and forget about the driver? So we, I'm always looking at the root. Oh, and then collagen. I think collagen is, I will not live my life without collagen. Hair, skin, and nails, great. Leaky gut, amazing. So it is the route for leaky gut. And also anybody with joint pain, I'm recommending collagen. I just think it is a super clean source of protein and has just tremendous benefits. So there isn't a day I don't have collagen and vitamin D and vitamin B. Those are my staples. The collagen, does it have to be like from grass-fed, grass-finished sources? I prefer that. You're extracting the amino acids from the bones, but it's still, if you have a healthier animal, you have healthier amino acids. Could you give us maybe some, for people who are starting to eat healthier and they're having some issues, maybe they get snacky at night or something, what are some healthy go-to Snacks that you can have, especially when you're maybe feeling stressed out, that you won't regret as much? Yeah. So that's a great question. And I get this a lot in my office. So I, again, I'm a big collagen person. So I do collagen. I make collagen shakes every day. And then I put them sometimes if I make extra, I put them in popsicle molds. And so then you can have a popsicle at night and you can have two or three if you wanted to, because it's very low carb. It's got protein. And my shakes have fat and fiber in them. So they're really a great free treat, basically. And then the other thing, I have a collagen pudding that's on my website that's amazing. I have people who are really addicted to those. They're easy to make. And it's a totally great treat. You feel like amazing. And it's no sugar. And uh, it doesn't spike blood sugar levels. And it's just really good protein. I'm also, uh, last on collagen, because I, I literally love it. I have probably two servings every single day. And everybody's always asking me about my skin. And But I'd heat up, I'll to eat, heat up some coconut milk. And if I do my vanilla collagen, I put some chai spices in it. So I have a chai latte at night. That is really filling. You feel like you're getting a treat. It's, and you, and fat curbs the sugar craving. So that fat is really helpful. And then I do with my hot, my chocolate, I do the same thing with chocolate and you can put a little allulose or monk fruit in there for a sweetener. My daughter does that at night and she takes the Lily's chocolate chips that are sweetened with stevia and she puts the chocolate chips in the hot chocolate and it's decadent. It's really good. And again, you're really having very little carbs, good protein and good fat. And then another thing that I like to do if people need snacky before bed is fat. So fat is going to satiate us. It's going to satiate the, the sugar craving and help us sleep better. So guacamole or eggs or hard boiled eggs or animal protein, something like that. And I have a couple of cookies on my website that are really low carb and nothing I use has sugar. I use a lot of allulose, monk fruit, and stevia. Awesome. So I need to check out your recipes on your website. Yeah, they're fun. So what are some ways that we can boost our immune system? Let's say if we get sick. Yeah. So vitamin D, again, I'm going to always go to vitamin D is huge. You can take up to 50,000 IUs of vitamin D for up to three days, no longer than that. But 
all the time. I have a son in college and I'm always, if he's sick, he always has vitamin D and B in his fraternity house. He was sent me a video recently and he was, he gave vitamin D to all his buddies there. So it's really important. So we pump up about 50,000 IUs for a couple of days and then it really kicks your immune system into gear. The other thing that I do is I have my immune ultra that is just zinc and elderberry. So it's a lozenge. We suck on those all the time. You can chew them and they're great for kids too. There's about 25 milligrams of zinc in there and you want to have it with food because zinc can make you nauseous on an empty stomach. So zinc and elderberry are huge immune boosters. And then any kind of garlic or onion, those are really good for, those are pre prebiotics. If you don't have SIBO, if you have SIBO, don't do that or IBS. But if you don't, then a probiotic, I love a good probiotic to just boost the gut a bit because we fight a lot through our gut. And just staying away from sugar is huge. I cannot tell you the impact. We eat our white blood cells with sugar. Even one tablespoon of sugar will eat about 50% of your white blood cells for up to five hours. So if you feel that tickle in your throat, I would stay away from sugar altogether and you have a fighting chance. I had no idea. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And bone broth is really good too because there's you've got that collagen in there too and it's very soothing and it's good protein. So tell us about your book, Food Frame, Diet is a Four-Letter Word. Yes. So I wrote Food Frame because that is my methodology that I use in my practice that has turned out to be quite successful for everybody. So I start off with my detox. And then after two weeks, we usually get all the labs in, the blood test and the stool test. And then I highlight six different diet types, keto, paleo, low lectin, low FODMAP, AIP, autoimmune protocol, and vegetarian. And everybody seems to fit in the bulk of people fit into one of those six diet types. And I go into great depth in each diet type, who it's best for, who's to, who should avoid it. And then a very comprehensive list of what to eat and what not to eat. And then I talk about what labs to order on. I go in depth on thyroid. I talk about MTHFR. I talk about how much protein, fiber, nutrients we need. There's a lot of testimonials of people that I've worked with and from various illnesses, colitis and alopecia, things like that. I worked with Freddie Couples, the professional golfer who always had chronic back pain. And he had, he saw a million doctors and nobody ever tested him for inflammation. It turned out he had tons of inflammation. He, was, he lives on golf courses. He works on golf courses, just breathing in those chemicals that they treat the golf course with every day in and day out, night too. So we detoxed him and his back pain went away. We got rid of his inflammation. So his story is in there too, but it really, and there's a bunch of recipes. So there's seven recipes for each diet type that are easy. I don't have a lot of time, so I don't want to be in the kitchen all day long. So there's 10 ingredients or less usually with almost every recipe because I just don't have time to, to get too fancy, but it's easy and healthy and fun and good. It was endorsed by Dr. Stephen Gundry and Dr. Josh Axe. JJ Virgin and Suzanne Summers. So I'm very grateful for their support. And it seems to work for most people. I'm really happy to be able to reach more people than I see in my office. And I'm really proud of what I wrote. Awesome. Are there any other ways that people can work with you or follow along with you online? Sure. So I work with people all over the world and I do it by Zoom and we can order labs at your local lab. And we send out a stool test so we can get all those tests done. And so I'm located in Newport Beach, California, but I work with people all over the world. The book is available on my website. It's also on Amazon and Target and Barnes and Noble. 
and and then all my product lines on my website as well. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and and Facebook. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so everybody can check you out. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience before we go? I urge people to look at their food, read labels, be picky about what's going in the building, and it really matters. So get your labs done, see where you are, see where your thyroid is. It's a big driver in your endocrine system, hormones as well, and get your information. Don't play darts in the dark. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you made it this far, I'm sure you found some benefit to the hard work that I put into the show. Show your support by subscribing to the podcast. Leave me a voicemail question or email me at thehealthfulgypsy at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Be sure to join the Facebook group. You can find all that information in the show notes and my website, katkatibi.com. I had an episode a while back with Dr. Mona Fahum of Feminescence, and we spoke about Feminescence, Maca Harmony, and their Maca products. And if you're a woman who's ever had hormonal imbalances, if you're trying to come off the birth control pill, or even if you're going through menopause, this is a natural way to help ease that transition and to help balance your hormones. There's nothing quite like it, so go to Feminescence.com, enter code CAT15, K-A-T-1-5, for 15% off any of their single pack products. And definitely go check out the episode. Just search for Mona Fahum on my podcast and listen. You won't regret it. This podcast is for informational, merrymakings, and metaphysical purposes only. Statements and views are not medical advice. This podcast, including Kakatibi, disclaim any adverse effects by the use of information you may have heard. Opinions of guests are totally their own. This podcast does not endorse statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications, credibilities, or sanity. Individuals may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to on the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, consult with a licensed medical physician, not just the spirit of your ancestors while on ayahuasca.